we all face seasons and challenge, but God always gives us a direct word to walk us through whatever we encounter in our lives. If you started the year off by reading your Bible, starting from the front cover to the back cover, and January 1st you flipped open to Genesis chapter 1, you would have read the passage that I'd just kind of like to begin to unpack at the beginning. I, I know, we just said it, that God does all things well. But a quick reflection would seem like there is an oversight in the story. I've read and reread the creation account enough that it's almost memorized, and with confidence I can say that it remains unmentioned. We read of water and earth and sky and schools of fish that swim the sea and animals that roam the land and birds flying and swooping and soaring in the sky. And there's the sense of abundance. There's the picture of completeness. There's the fullness of promise that's there at the word of God. He speaks and it happens. And it would seem as though everything is built for our betterment, the beautiful, bountiful world prepared by our creator as outlined in those very first scriptures. And it would seem that anything else would be out of place in that picturesque story. But it could have been included. And perhaps in our human frame of mind, we would think that it should have been included. With all of our wisdom and experience and in life so far, we would like to let God know. God, you missed something. God, it, it would have been nice if, if you had mentioned or if you had dropped a hint or if you had just even warned us about the desert. The desert, God, you, you left that out of that beautiful, glorious, incredible creation account. The desert, God, you know the desert. The desert, it makes up one-third of our land, 33%. It, it, it would have at least educated us if you had added a few verses to describe the wilderness, the barrenness, the risks, the dangers, the emptiness, the extreme highs and the extreme lows. There is the hot desert, and then there's the frozen deserts. There is the deserts to the north, and then there's the de deserts to the south. And, and God, if you had just announced that the desert, the desert that would have to be endured by everybody, if you had just mentioned that in the creation account, it would have been nice. Yet it would seem as though it's the one place that God would allow us all to encounter unprepared. He lets us walk into that place unaware and uneducated. He allows us to walk unwittingly and unprepared directly into that season that is certain in all of our lives. It's the desert. There are people in this room that are walking into, that are walking through, and that are walking out of your own wilderness this morning. For those of you that are walking out, we're celebrating. For those of you that are walking through, we're with you. For those of you that are walking into, our prayers are for you. It would seem <clears throat> at the onset, especially when you're coming into the desert, that everything is going to be devastating. Allow me for a moment to declare the opposite of what life seems like for some of us right now. The desert 
won't destroy you. If you look intentionally at scripture, it may not be spelled out in the creation account, but the desert just keeps showing up. The desert's frequency comes with consistency in the lives of those whom God is shaping for his purpose. And I'd like to just say from the onset one more time, the desert is not there to destroy you. The desert is there to design you. Your destiny can only be defined in the desert. It was Moses' desert walk that was interrupted by a burning bush. Just, just begin to think with me. It was Abraham that was required to walk through the land from the north to the south, to the east and the west. And if you know anything about Israel, the desert surrounds it on each side. It was Isaiah's words that came and it defined what could happen, not, not the the hate that we have for the desert, but rather the promise that we find in the desert. Can we, can we shift our mentality for a moment this morning? It's Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. It says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. The way of the Lord isn't found in the city streets. It's found in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight, not in the city, not in the beautiful, bountiful, lush grounds. But he said, make straight in the desert. A highway for our God. I'm reminding someone this morning that the place that you can come the closest to God's purpose is right there in the desert. It's in the desert place where God says, this is where I'm going to prepare a meeting. This is where if you want to meet me. This is where if you want to hear my word. This is where if you're going to get a declaration, you're going to find it in the desert. It's in the desert place that that, that highway for our God is built. And when you come to the desert, it's on that highway that God is going to show up and meet with you. It's the highway in the desert. The way of our Lord isn't found in the city street. The straight way wasn't found on the mountaintop. The way that God chooses to use, the road that God chooses to travel is the one that you can only find in the desert. Then, and only then, if you read Isaiah a little bit further, he said, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places made plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And that word declares so many promises that we would desire. We want every valley exalted. We want the mountains brought down to my level, God. Bring that, bring that valley up so we can traverse it and, and travel it. But, but God is saying, I'll tell you where that happens. That happens when you find yourself in a desert place. And in that desert place, that highway of God shows up. And in that desert place, the mountain that's in the horizon comes made low. And the valley is made high. And God meets with us. And God begins to divinely design the path that's before us. But we can't get there unless... We go to the desert. It's the desert. I'm looking for those days, that, that day when the glory of the Lord is revealed. That day when all flesh shall see it together. That day when we all meet and there isn't division and divide. That day when there is a glorious outpouring of God's presence where he accomplishes his purpose and everybody is walking in his will. I'm looking for that day. I'm desirous of that day. I'm seeking that day. I'm asking God to give us that day. But before we get to that day, we have got to go through that desert. It's that desert that God 
brings us to before he brings us through. The, the day of revival and restoration is there on God's calendar. But first, he desires that we walk through the desert. But the desert will not destroy you. You see, because if God has a promise on the other side, then God intends for us to go through. If you've ever prayed, thy kingdom come, you're going to walk through the wilderness. If you've sincerely asked God for his will to be done, then your journey is going to detour you. You, you think you see the path right now, but God, any elders in the room say, I, I've been there. Come on, hand raised high. It's not time to be proud. Yeah, we've been there. Some of us, you know what it's like when the canteen runs dry. You know what it's like when the food runs out. You know what it's like when, when we get in those impossible situations and we ask God, why are you walking us on this path? God, why have you brought us to this place? Why? The journey is going to detour us through the desert. Don't, don't let the illustration be lost on us this morning because we live in a beautiful country. We live, uh, I, I look for it today. There are no deserts in Canada. The closest we got is something called the Desert of Maine. Anyone ever been to the Desert of Maine? Somewhere near Freeport? I heard about it. The Desert of Maine isn't a desert. It's farmland that was over-farmed. They eroded all the topsoil, and then all that was left was the sand, and apparently the sand just kind of blows around. There's actually, you know, for a hundred years now, it's been a tourist attraction, and not one of us have been there. <laughs> what have we been missing? What else, God? The desert of Maine had no idea right there. I, I, you know, when we grew up, we grew up in a bit of a sand dune, the, the uh, little subdivision where my parents um, moved when I was in grade seven. Uh, our backyard was a lot of sand, and, and I remember one of, the <clears throat> one of the friends that dad had, he was a contractor, and he came and saw the house that we bought, and he said, Victor, you, gotta, you better put some sand up against that back wall. The sand had just kind of washed away in, in that foundation wall. He said, you need something to hold the wall in. This is all sand. It's all sand. I, I remember that <clears throat> the pit was just up the hill from, from our house, and but Dad bought us a, an ATC and, and a three-wheeler or dangerous ATV, if you want to call it that. I, I don't know what we want to call it. Something, something I didn't know I could almost kill myself on. But <clears throat> I remember taking that, and we would drive around in the pit wall and and, you know, you'd, you'd try and drive up the side of that wall, and it was all sand, and the tires would begin to spin. And, and if you didn't have enough inertia, if you didn't have it in the right gear, and you didn't, you didn't kind of plan for it correctly, you could find yourself um, stuck in the middle of the hill, or even worse, sliding backwards down the hill, because it was just sand. I, we know a little, I know a little bit about sand. I, I know what a little bit, I, I, but I don't know what a desert's like, because we live in Canada. But <clears throat> that's not the way it is in this country that God had defined to Israel because surrounding them was desert. There's deserts to the north and deserts to the south. They're, they're, they're out, of, out of all of the places that sometimes I think about, I say, God, you know, we, we questioned him uh, this morning already, and I, I, you know, I hope you know that I'm just trying to intrigue your curiosity. I'm not really questioning God. Right? Right, God? 
But out of all the places that, that God could have chosen to place his name, he, he didn't plant himself in the beauty of the Bahamas. He, he didn't pick the lush Amazon basin or the fertile fields on the plains of good old Canada. But God picked a little outcrop of rock in Palestine, surrounded by desert, and he said this, this is where I'm going to place my name. This, this is where I'm going to call my people. In the midst of this desert land, in the midst of this barrenness where humanity can't see a whole lot that's good, he said, this is where I'm going to place my name. My people are going to learn to love me here. My people are going to learn about me here. And somehow in that little illustration, could we take a moment and realize God doesn't define our future by the desert that we're walking through or we're walking in. The desert won't destroy you, but the desert has come to define you. And that little nation in that little outcrop of rock in the midst of a barren desert wasteland is always in the news because God's people have a place in, in the current time and they have a place in the future. That, that little group of people is always in the news. They're always making history. Why? Because they are the people that God has called by his name. He's placed his name right there in the midst of them, in that little outcrop of rock amongst all of the deserts. And if God is going to place his name in your life, why would we think that we should escape the desert season? We are the people of the name. We are people that have been called by his name. And in the same respect that God places his name on that place in Israel, God would desire to plant his name in our lives, but he needs that desert experience to do what he wants to do in our life. I, I do remember seasons in my life where God removed the very things that I deemed necessity and left me in a desert place. The people that were the closest, that were the most secure, somewhat for a season, they separated in my life, and I found myself in a desert season. A season where the voices that were so strong no longer rang in my ear. Where the voices of direction that were so sure no longer spoke. Those seasons where, where you didn't know where else to turn, and so you ended up turning to God. It was in those seasons where little furnace rooms would become prayer rooms. And I learned to hear the voice of God in those seasons. I learned that it wasn't just the human voice that was going to speak in my ear, but rather there was a voice. I'd been led and directed for a long time. But it was in that season where God brought me to the desert and said, all right, here we go. We're going to walk through this experience together. That the voices that were so common were no longer there. Couldn't hear them given instruction. But now I had to determine to hear the voice of God and rely on the word of God and walk into the desert place by myself. But it was in that season, I'll, I'll never forget that season and I'll never forget other seasons that I would find myself in a puddle of tears on the floor. But God would begin to speak and God would begin to give direction and God would begin to bring hope. But it was only in that season where we walked into the desert together. You know, the Bible says something about tears 
The Bible tells us that he who passing through the valley of Baca, it's the valley experience. It's the valley of tears. It says he makes a well. I, I just came to remind somebody this morning that it may be the deepest, darkest desert that you've ever walked through, but God is going to make it a well in somebody's life today. He's going to turn the situation around and what seems impossible, well is, a well is going to spring up. Water is going to appear in the midst of the desert. God God's word is going to become real, and you're going to become attuned to his voice. It's going to give direction. It's going to lead you on the way that you're going to take. And I want someone to know that the desert wasn't there to destroy you. It's just there to define you. It's just there to prepare the path before you. You're going to get stronger as you begin to journey. You're going to get, come on, more reliant on him than you've ever been before. But I just came to let somebody know the desert isn't going to destroy you. It's going to define you. We're going to be bigger on the other side. We're going to be better on the other side. We're going to be stronger on the other side. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life, so don't stop short in the desert. Don't stop here and don't Stop now. If you backed up in that verse in Psalm 84, it said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca. In that valley of weeping, they make it a well. He said, blessed is the man that he's got something in his heart that when he encounters the desert, when he encounters that dark place, when he encounters that season of sorrow, in that season of weeping, in that season, he said, whose heart is in the way of him that he's going to make it a well. He's going to begin to realize, God, you brought me here for a reason. This desert will not destroy me. This desert will not, come on, it's not going to take my spiritual life. It's not going to take my spiritual future. God has greater things in store. In him whose, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. We have the opportunity in the midst of our desert season to make a well. That valley was called the Valley of Weeping. It was in Palestine. And, and some of you know what it's like to be in the valley of weeping. Those times in your life when tears come to your eyes. You didn't want to cry, but the tears came anyway. Where the uncontrollable sobs escaped your lip. And when the circumstance overcame you and ushered you from that place of strength to a place of weakness. That's what scripture says that, that we pass from strength. That next verse in verse 7, it says that they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. We, come on, we know that the desert is when we leave the place of strength. They go from strength to strength. That's what they do. They, they go from strength. And none of us like the season from strength. Can we throw that verse up? It's the next verse. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. We know what it's like to go from strength. We know what it's like in those seasons that it just kind of takes every bit of energy that we've got away. Where we don't have the courage sometimes to get up and get out and become what God's calling us to be. Anyone ever been going through that season from strength? From strength is the desert experience. But there's two strength as well. They go from strength to strength. But that intermediate season is that valley that God takes you through. The pain of a broken heart 
the pain of someone you love hurting you, the pain of something somebody said or something that somebody did or just that God allowed circumstance to walk you into that desert experience. I did a search on the major deserts of the world. It would seem that they all have oasis. They all have a place somewhere in the desert experience where there's life flourishing, where there's an opportunity, and sometimes we've just got to take the time to find the oasis in the desert that God has walked us through. Someone's just got to take some time wherever you are and just begin to dig the well. Just dig down in the season if you dig long enough and deep enough, then God is going to start to supply the very thing that you need the most. The Bible does tell us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. He that goeth forth weeping, someone say weeping, bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That, that from strength to strength has some promise attached to it that we won't do it all by ourselves and we don't do it out of our own strength. But God is going to supply in the midst of the problem a promise for every single one of us from strength to strength. We can come back to the music this morning. We all hate that season of going from strength. We hate it when the mule barrel becomes empty and the vial of oil only has a few drops left. We don't like that season at all. We, we don't like it when we, when we battle depression or we know of someone that is. We, we don't like it when we find out our job has a dynamic shift or a loss. We don't like it when we lose friends or we lose health or we lose our minds. We don't like it when the enemy comes in like a flood. We don't like leaving strength. We don't like it. But it's the only way. God will not always add to. God sometimes will only allow us to pass through. And we go from strength to strength. God has two strength on the other side. It's strength that we know nothing of. It's a strength that's greater than we possess in the present. But God has got to leave allow us to leave the current level of strength to go to a new place of strength. And the valley is always in the middle. It's that season that I came to remind someone about this morning that it isn't to destroy you so that God can define you in this moment. It was a strength that we don't possess that God promised. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. What? Paul, come on. Tell the truth and shame the devil, Paul. Come on. Paul had enough trips to and through the desert that he knew, he knew that God was doing something greater. He knew that his strength was going to be made perfect in weakness. Most, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Paul said, I, 
I'm, I, I, this infirmity, this challenge, this desert is only so the power of Christ can rest in my life. God's got something new in store. God's got something greater in store. There's more on the horizon than I have right now. God has more in store. And sometimes we, we look at that season and we don't understand it, but, but the desert won't destroy you. The desert is going to define you. It's one of those passages that we like to pass over. It's difficult to read. It's the father of the faithful acting out, out of the ordinary. It's appealing and it's appalling and it stirs our sympathy. It's the story, it's the story of Hagar. Hagar didn't ask for a place on the plot line. She didn't ask, she didn't audition for the part. She just kind of got shuffled around life without consent. She was the slave of Sarah, but she was given to Abraham and then miraculously becomes the mom of Ishmael and, and then she becomes hated only because she's done what's been asked of her. And, and unfortunately, Sarah sees Ishmael mocking Isaac and Sarah says, cast out this bondwoman. And it grieves Abraham because Ishmael's his son. And God said, let it not be grievous in thy sight. Do what Sarah asked for. And Isaac shall thy seed be called. And, and then God kind of leaves us this promise. He said, and also of the son of the bondman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. So God gives Abraham the assurance that Hagar is going to be all right. But he, he leaves Hagar in the dark because he's got to take her through the desert. And so Abraham rises up early in the morning. He takes bread and must have been a big water, bottle of water because he puts it on her shoulder. She can't carry it with her hand and he sends her off. She doesn't know where to go. And let's be real, we already mentioned that nation, it is desert. Sometimes you may wonder why would she wander into the wilderness of Beersheba? It's because she had no other option. She didn't have anywhere else to go. Sometimes God doesn't give us any other option. He just says, I'm walking you through the desert. Verse 15 of Genesis 21 says the water was spent in the bottle and she casts the child under one of the shrubs. She goes and she sits down a ways off and turns her back on the whole situation because she doesn't want to see her son die, no doubt, in that season. She's like, God, why would you leave us here in the desert? Hagar's lifting up her voice and her son must have been doing the same in verse 17 it says God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her what aileth thee Hagar fear not for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is you see there's only some places you can hear the voice of God that clearly it's when God brings you into that desert season and every other voice is silenced. And that's when he begins to speak. What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not. Fear not, because God's heard your voice, the voice of the lad where he is. And arise and lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. 
You see, God's got it all under control. So if you're Hagar this morning in the room, God wants someone to know there's a well. He just hasn't allowed you to see it yet. So don't give up in the desert. It's not there to destroy you. It's there to define you. And the future is great. God's going to do something great in this season. God's going to do something great in the midst of this desert season. God's going to do something great. There's a well that he's going to be releasing. And there's a, an opening that's going to happen. There's something that you can't get anywhere else that's going to happen in this desert season. God is working for us. If I could keep your attention, I'd ask you to stand together with me. It's interesting that the word desert in the Hebrew language is midbar. It's desert. And, but the other interesting thing is it's also a, a Hebrew hononym. Everyone remember what a hononym is? A word that's spelt the same but means something different. But the same word for desert that's used in Hebrew, it's spelled the exact same, is the word speak. It's the word speak, and it's the place. The desert becomes the place. It becomes synonymous with the place where God begins to release his voice. And we'll talk again about this next week. But, but I wanted to end with this thought this morning. Is that God isn't going to walk you into this desert experience and not give you a word to sustain you through it. And God just sent a simple message for somebody today that's walking through one of the darkest seasons of your life with this. I've got a word for you that's going to walk you through the desert place. The same word that means desert is the same word that means speak. And it reminds us that God is going to speak to us in the most difficult of circumstance. God is going to declare his word. God is going to declare his promise. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we began to just sing and praise and pray together at the end of this worship service this morning. I begin to feel faith rise. I literally begin to feel it in my spirit and I begin to think about some of the circumstances that are surrounding us and that, that it wasn't pushing me down but that faith was rising up in my spirit and I just came with a word for someone this morning that God has this all under control. God's got it all taken care of. God is perfectly in order. We can question him if we want to but God is, come on, he's working his purpose and he's working his plan would you clap hands like you knew that God is working right now come on Hagar he's about ready to open the well he's about ready to release the promise he's about ready to, to take the thing that is so destructive the desert is going to become great that for a moment, would you? Well, that's a word for more than just a few this morning.
come on, somebody just pray into the promise that God just gave. Someone just get a hold of it and come on, bring it into your spirit. The enemy would like to whisper every lie, but God came with a word of truth for someone this morning. There is faith rising in the room, so get a hold of it. Get on that boat and rise to the surface that God is bringing you through. That desert isn't to destroy you. That desert is just defining who God is creating you to become. God is working right now. God, is a, he's got us in miracle territory because that's where miracles occur. We're making declaration this morning. Ghost is here to help us this morning. You know, it's interesting to me that Israel became an agricultural powerhouse. You say, how did that happen? I, I, you know, I began to read with interest about just how that Israel, it's one of the, we've got friends that have planted trees on our behalf in Israel. There are desert plants that you plant, but they don't draw water. They just exist on very little. But the thing that's different about a tree is that a tree will push roots down and begin to pull the water up. And literally by beginning to plant trees in Israel, they have raised the aquifer of the water. The water table, the underground water table has risen because they have planted so many trees that it's drawn. I always knew that a tree could exist in water, but I didn't, that, that I didn't realize that a tree would draw the, the water table up. That's one of the benefits and blessings of, of Israel is that they've, they've learned this and they've studied agriculture and they've, they've got, you know, sweet water that comes in from outside, but, but the salty water, they, they just kind of work with all this science and all this kind of chemistry. And, but the desert land has become fruitful land. So it may be that God has us right where he needs us in a season of difficulty. But it's not there to destroy us. It's that we could, come on, we can change our environment. We can change our surrounding. We can impact the world around us. God's going to make some changes and adjustments. And God's beginning to lift the, the, the table of water. God's beginning to release a, a well of springing water that's going to flow up. Living water is going to begin to flow. Water is going to usher from the threshold of the house. And it's going to flow out in what seems like a desert place. Come on. There's prophetic utterance in the room this morning. It's going to turn the desert into a living, come on, fruitful environment. And it's going to start at the house of God. It's going to flow out the threshold. It's going to flow over the doorway. It's going to flow into the city. I, I just came to remind somebody that God is not done with us in a desert place. won't destroy you. The desert is going to grow you. 
the desert is going to define you. It's a part of your future. You're going to reach back and embrace it, Key. You're going to reach back and say, God, I don't know why I walked through that season. But here's what I do know. God was with me. His word was with me. His promise was with me. The future was there. I just had to hold on and work my way through. Come on. The desert isn't where we're going to die. The desert is where we're going to grow. Speak, God. Speak to us. I'm asking everyone just leave. Leave your seat and come to the altar because everybody is going through a desert. Has been, is, or will be. Come on, make your way. We're going to pray together. If you pray as you come, God is about to work a work of deliverance. God is about to turn some things around. Come by faith. Come on, so many of you are coming out of obedience, but, but it's because God has promise on the other side of obedience. There's, there's, there's a word for somebody today. There's a work that God is going to do. There's deliverance that God is going to bring. Come on, just start beginning to believe. God, you're able to do the impossible. God, we're trusting you to do what we don't expect. God, you're opening the door in the midst of impossibility. You're doing it this morning, God, and, and I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to step into it. I'm going to see it happen. I, I declare it for my city. I declare it for my family. I declare it for our future. It's mine. I'm getting a hold of it this morning. They're going to begin to sing, but more than that, I wonder if we begin to pray. Find someone and pray with them. If that's all right, just begin to declare God's word over their life. God, we release your word this morning.